Welcome to Birth Stories in Color, a podcast creating community for people of color to share and learn from birth stories of all types. We're your hosts, Laurel Gurrier and Danielle Jackson. Today's episode features Tara Clifton in sharing her birth experience, her birth story calls to attention, and the embrace of the hard parts of parenting creating conversation about the days where we feel challenged as parents or that we are falling short for our children, yet that by being vulnerable in that way, we are able to build community and support for our journeys. Hello, Tara. Welcome to the show. Hello. How are you? Doing well. Welcome. So can you um, start off by telling a little bit about yourself and your family? Okay, so my name is Tara, but I usually go by Tara, and I am a birth doula and a birth photographer. I'm actually what you consider more of like a community doula. I work through the Mississippi just recently got a grant, um, and it's entitled the Safer Childbirth Program here in Mississippi. And what we're trying to do is just trying to help families, specifically women of color, because we have some of the highest numbers here, and that's basically what I do um, as far as work. I have a daughter named Anna Claire, and she's two going on 21. <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> yes. yes, two going on twenty-one. Mm-hmm. That is that is her. <laughs> Those toddler years—they just uh, really take us out. Yeah, I'm ready for it to be over. Take me now. Take me <laughs> can you tell a bit about a little bit about your pregnancy? Um. Okay. So I found out I was pregnant with my daughter. I just recently graduated from Mississippi College in December, and I found out I was pregnant with my daughter the summer of my sophomore year, which I was not planning on doing because I didn't want to be a doula or anything that I'm doing now. I actually wanted to teach kids in Japan because I tutored. And when I found out that I was pregnant with AC, like it rocked my world. Like, I, I was the person, I was just like, I'm going to be the auntie. I'm not going to have no kids. I didn't like babies. I still don't really like kids outside of my daughter. And just <laughs> finding out that I was pregnant really hit a 360 for me. And I don't even think it dawned on me until actually after I had her that I was actually about to be a mama. Um, and most of my pregnancy was met with shame. I went to a Christian college. Women don't even hold hands with guys on my campus that I graduated from. So being pregnant and being, and then it's a predominantly white college. So I'm coming in as the black girl. I'm pregnant. Um, and it was just, it was just a thing that we just didn't discuss. Um, nobody really even knew that I was pregnant outside of my family. Um, and I lived on campus in my dorm, which was a no, no, but, um, I had already paid for it at that point. And so I spent much of my time in my room pregnant um, up until December. It's so interesting. I don't even think um, something that doesn't cross my mind a lot. And I, and I know that it should like when thinking about all the experiences that people have, but really navigating um, pregnancy when you're in college, um, mm-hmm. not only what that does, like, um, you know, physically working through college, but then also I'm thinking maybe more clear I'm thinking about the different types of colleges and you Mm -hmm. specifically bringing up um, the foundation of your college was like a Christian college and a strict Christian college how that um, being pregnant in that type of environment would feel and look like Um, Mm -hmm. were you like were you getting I know some colleges actually have um, health services specifically for pregnant individuals was that something that your college Um, had or were you seeing so I was seeing someone outside. So when I got pregnant, I was just working at Cracker Bear. I had been a server. I had been working as a food worker since I was about 16. So I didn't even have insurance. I ended up getting on Medicaid. 
Um, and my school didn't offer stuff like that. Like I said, only a handful of people knew, and that was pretty much my professors. So I went to clinics for, I guess, low social economic people. Um, and those were not the best clinics. Um, I have, I went through like three or four doctors. Um, my first doctor was actually prescribing me medicine that I shouldn't have been taking while being pregnant, which ended me up in the ER. Um, and it just, it just got really, really bad. I landed on my doctor, um, at about six months, my doctor that actually delivered my baby at six months. So I was not getting the best care, um, at all. And it was not from my school. I couldn't tell anybody that I was pregnant. And thinking about that, you know, was like thinking about preparing for birth, was that something, did you have an idea of what you wanted your birth to look like? Was that something you were thinking about at that time? Um, well, my mom pretty much said, you know, we're going to do this unmedicated. I didn't have anything, so you're not going to have anything. Um, and she had, she didn't really have an idea about how birth works. I didn't really have an idea for it because I, like I said, it was never in my plans, but I knew initially on when my mom would say it kind of like that was what we we're going to do. So at that point I really started like researching like nat natural birth met methods and things like that. But I pretty much lived my life as if I wasn't pregnant. Like I worked, I got an extra job. So I was working three jobs at that point, two jobs on campus. And then I was going to Cracker Barrel on the weekend and really just in go mode as far as getting my cl class assignments done and just working. I didn't really think about my pregnancy at all. I just knew that I was supposed to eat right. I was researching at night when I wasn't working about how I could go through this birth as natural as possible. But I lived my life as if I wasn't pregnant because I couldn't really talk to talk to other people about me being pregnant without feeling some type of way. Because my when I did open up to somebody about my pregnancy, which was my roommate, the next day she moved out. Her family didn't want her to be around me. So I mean, that really just put me in a place like, who do I talk to about me being pregnant? So, and it does, know. it really does bring to light why having, you know, resources and care centers in different spaces and people who serve as doulas in different spaces is so important. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I, I mean, I, I don't know what that would look like navigating a, a school that's like rooted in um, the foundation that your college had, but if you had a resource to go, someone who was unbiased and could just be like, okay, here's the things you need to know, or here's the, here's some, some tools to help you get, um, or just someone to talk to. That's really, mm -hmm. you know, like that's really the foundation of it. Someone to talk through, like, here's all my thoughts. Here's what I'm thinking. Here's all the things I'm doing and just having that support system. But that does it. Yeah, that's a lot. And so um, can you tell us about your birth and kind of walk us through from the beginning, you know, um, how things started and, and walk us through your birth experience? Mm -hmm. Um, I vividly remember. So, um, I guess a couple of days before I went into labor, um, my doctor had already told me, he was like, you're four centimeters dilated. And I'm just like, what? I think I was thinking that it was going to be some type of theatrical thing. Like I was going to immediately know. So I'm at work at Cracker Barrel. I had just served um, a family of like 10 people. And um, I'm just like, Ma, I feel like I'm having this thing that I had looked up lightning crotch. So I was just like, Ma, I think labor is about to happen. So I called the doctor and I'm just like, hey, y'all, I feel like I'm about to go on labor. Things are about to get real. And they're just like, do you feel any pain? And I'm just like, no, nah, I'm still at work. And uh, she was just like, well, you know, call us back when something happens. Because basically you would know when you're in labor. And I'm just like, all right, whatever. So I just keep 
I just kept going on, going on. I was just telling my mom, like, I just feel weird, like something is going on. So she was just like, you know what, we're going to go to the hospital. Um, so I go to the hospital um, and they're basically like, you're not seeming like you're in any pain. You can sit here and really talk to us. So, you know, just, just kind of wait, just do your paperwork and just kind of wait. Cause you would be showing signs as if you're in labor. And I was just like, all right, whatever y'all are the professionals. Um, so they had me waiting and this is during flu season. And I'm sitting here in the ER with everybody else, just kind of like waiting. And then I eventually go back and that's when everything kind of started. They were just like, you know, we're keeping you, but you're having your baby in the morning. And I was just like, all right, okay, well, that's fine. And so they told my mom them that, you know, you're going to have the baby in the morning because you are dilating. So y'all can go home. And so they sent my mom and my brother home. And I say within like 10 minutes of them leaving, my doctor walks in and he was just like, well, I'm going to break your water. You having the baby tonight. And I'm just like, this is not in our plans. You know, I kind of wanted things to progress on its own. I'm not even in pain at this point. I'm just like, I got a test. Like, I'm trying to take my test. Like what's going on. And so he was just like, well, I'm breaking your water. So basically he just comes to me, breaks my water. And that was that. And I'm just like, I didn't even think like, I haven't even had time to process this. Um, and I just remember my doctor, like she was so pushy and trying to get me to take medicine, like every five minutes, like she just like take medicine. You don't have anybody here with you. Like it's going to get hard. Like you're not feeling anything now, but you need to take medicine. So I was like, okay, whatever. Just give me something just in case something happens. So she gave me something to kind of help me go to sleep. Cause she's like, you're not going to sleep and you're trying to take this test. And I called my mom. It was just like, hey, I'm about to have the baby sometime tonight. So go ahead and come up here. And it was storming really bad. And so I'm there by myself. And like, she's just like, well, get an epidural, get an epidural, get an epidural. And I'm just like, I don't want an epidural. Like, I'm fine. Just leave me alone. And it just became a combative situation. Um, and because I'm just like, I don't want to take it. It's, it's, it's not necessary for me to take it. And I guess things just kept going and I ended up hitting the transition period. And I just started, I started pushing around one-ish. And then I remember her and my mom getting into it because she's just like, well, the guy who's about to do it, the epidural, he's about to leave. So you need to get this epidural right now. And my mom's just like, no. So she was just, she kind of slides my mom out of the way and looks dead at me. I'm just like, I'm not talking to your mom, I'm talking to you. And I'm like, mom, please tell this lady to leave me alone. I'm trying to work through these contractions. And my mom just basically tells her, you need to get the fuck out of my daughter's way because she's trying to have this baby natural as possible. So just let her be. So that immediately changed everything. The, the nurses went from being okay to like having a super attitude. I get to pushing. And I guess I didn't grasp the aspect of pushing. I don't think I've ever like had to push a baby out. So I'm just like, I don't know how to do this. So just work with me. And one of the nurses goes, you're not doing this right. You don't know what you're doing. You actually wrap the umbilical cord around the baby's neck because you don't know how to push. And I look at my mom and I look at the nurse and my mom is like dead quiet at that point because she's just like, you know, the baby may not be alive. And so she turns away from me and I'm crying at that point because I'm just like, I just killed my baby. So they go and go get the doctor. My doctor comes in because three other people are, are actually in labor while I'm in labor. So he's kind of running from room to room and the doors are open because he's wanted running from room to room and they get into it. He just sticks his hand in my vagina and just starts feeling around. And he was just like, 
you know, everything's okay. You just don't know what you're talking about. Get out of the way. And they're just sitting there arguing. I'm just like, I need to push. And so they're not focused on me, the birthing team and him. They weren't on the same page. And eventually I have my daughter. Um, through them arguing, I have her. And it's just, it just kind of put a bad taste in my mouth because I really wasn't able to, able to really focus because they're into it back and forth. And it, it was just a mess. Just a mess. That sounds so traumatic. It's almost like a system, like mm -hmm. separate her from her people and then go in for this plan that we have in place. Like, what was that? I don't know. And it's just like, they told me, don't worry about anything. You're not having the baby to tomorrow. We've already talked to your doctor. You know, you're progressing. It's no reason for you to have the baby. And I mean, he broke my water and it was no reason for him to. I wasn't in pain. I had like two tests that was due and I'm just sitting there doing my tests. And I guess I wasn't going as fast enough as they would like me to. Um, and so that's when everything else starts. And I kind of want to circle back a little. Mm -hmm. Because you had mentioned earlier that your doctor was giving you medicine that mm -hmm. you shouldn't have been taking. So when, like, mm -hmm. and so that makes me think, like, you were, you went into labor early. Like, mm -hmm. was, so I know. Oh, I'm the medicine I right wasn't now. supposed to. Yeah. Be, okay. So basically she told me she was giving me medicine for a UTI. And so it went from, you know, your regular routine check-ins to I'm calling them every day to the point where I'm coming in almost every other day because I'm like, I'm having these pains and what's going on. And so one day after class, I call my mom. I'm just like, literally, I'm having pains where I can't even stand up straight. Like something is going on. And she was like, let's get to the ER. So we get to the ER and they're having trouble finding like the baby's heartbeat. It's crazy. And then this guy walked in and he was just like, he was one of the doctors. He walked in and he was just like, you know, what's going on? Has this been going on? And I'm just like, I'm in the doctor's office every other day. Like, I don't know what's going on. I've been having these pains, but today is really, really bad. And he was just like, well, just run me through a list of medicines that you've been taking. And I tell him the medicine that I'm taking. And he was just like, you're, you're not supposed to be taking this as a pregnant woman. Like, if you keep taking this, there ain't going to be no baby. And he was just like, I don't know who you're going to see, but I suggest that you go find another doctor. And then, so how long after that, then did you go into labor? Right. Um, I say, because I mean, that was, I was like 30 weeks. I went into labor at 38 weeks. So I say like a six, six week period. Got it. And I just, I'm, and I asked that just thinking about correlation. Like, did mm -hmm. that, had that, like, started stuff for you? And, I mm -hmm. mean, there's probably many layers, um, and, you know, mm -hmm. you working as a doula now probably also know, like, what stress does to the body, what mm -hmm. environment does for our body, and just thinking about what you've mentioned, how many other layers there were to possibly mm -hmm. um, make you go early, or maybe that was just when baby was ready to come. But either yeah. way, thinking about, you know, that mishap, and that and there being a possible correlation and i mean it did bring on a lot of stress because from that because it was just like i couldn't trust like i couldn't trust doctors and this doctor that i was going to she was a black woman so i'm just like if i can't trust a black doctor you know who can i trust so i went through a trial of doctors until i landed on the doctor that i was thought 
was going to be this guy who was all for natural in our appointments. He's just like, oh, you can, you can labor how you want to. And then we get there and he's just like, I'm going to break your water. So I'm just like, what is this? So after having that traumatic experience and just kind of having all like your options kind of being stripped away from you or not really feeling like you had consent, how was the postpartum period for you? Um, I would say, so as working as a server, I ended up saving enough money really to be off work for a year. And my mom was just like, I don't want you to go back, you know, to school. like I was doing online classes at that point. Um, and she was like, I don't want you to go to work. So most of my days were spent with my daughter at home. And I don't know, I kind of went into this shell and we kind of went into this routine. I stayed in my room a lot of the times. Um, I was very, I would say I was very depressed. Um, because I was going through a lot of it on my own. My child's father kind of let it be known that he didn't really want to be in our lives. And he was also kind of a little bit emotional, emotional abusive. And so I knew going in that I wasn't really going to have that support, but it's one thing to be pregnant and know you're not going to have that support, but it's another thing to be pregnant. It's just like, it's just me and you and my mom and brother are going to school. So I'm stuck with this hollering baby. And it's just like, what do I do? I hated the way I looked in the mirror. I would just, when she would be asleep, I would stand in the mirror, tugging in my body. My body didn't feel like it was my body. I didn't feel like I had my life. I'm seeing everybody that I started with, like, progressing. And it's just like, what about me? Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't a good point until I really started being honest with myself and just realizing my life was not going to go back to the way that it was when I was a pre-college student. I didn't have any responsibilities. And right now I had this baby and I think being pregnant, being a mom dawned on me at that point. Um, and I just really just started sharing my story because a lot of people that I knew were kind of like pregnant during that time. So I really just started getting on social media and just sharing what I was going through and just trying to share little pieces of my birth story so other mothers wouldn't have to experience what I was going through. And I saw that through doing that, I felt a little bit better. And I saw that, hey, people deal with this and people have had traumatic births similar to mine and I'm not by myself. That is so important that you created community for yourself when you really could have went lower and deeper into that mm -hmm. depression. Um, it's like you saved yourself. And I, I guess I really realized that I needed to make a turnaround when I was at home with my daughter and she was just crying and crying and I couldn't figure out what was going on. And I just grabbed her and I just really just started shaking her. And I'm just like, Oh my gosh. Like I snapped out of my body for a moment. And then I came back and it's just like, I'm shaking my baby and I know everything in me knows this is wrong, but it's just like, what do I do? Like I'm stuck with you now. And it's just like, things will never go the same. And that's when I kind of knew that at that point that I needed to turn things around because if not, I was just going to go down this hole. What was your um, mom's response to you during that time? Um, she had kind of went, been the only person you really went through your pregnancy journey with. Did she know this um, you? Well, she knew that I wasn't leaving out of my room and my mom suffered from postpartum depression and we're from the Delta originally and there, you know, you don't just, that's not something we talk about. And for her, it was just like, suck it up. You kind of, you know, you made this decision and it was a lot of regret there for me on her. It was, I wouldn't say regret. It was a lot of resentment 
for me on my end with my mom that I really have never discussed with her because I felt like she was one of the reasons why I had a child in the first place because I came to her stating that I didn't want a baby um, and I wanted a abortion. Um, bottom line, I didn't want my daughter originally. And sometimes I still feel that way that my life would be different had I had overrode the fact that she stated, you know, either have the baby or get out. Sometimes I think, what would my life be if I would have decided to get out? So I was upset with her because it's just like, you're like, I'm dealing with all of this and you're part of the reason. Cause it's just like either be a mom or lose my mom. So it's just like, you're not really helping me. But at the same time, you kind of put it on me to have her in the first place. So I need help. That is so like you saying lose my mom or be a, like, Having to battle that, um, and I, I do feel that in in our community, there are a lot of us who have to constantly like deal with who we become after we become parents, or and mm-hmm. even before that. Sometimes, like you said, for some folks, getting pregnant, but the way that we are brought up you know, it's, well, um, you, what's, what's the phrase? You made your bed, so now you have to lay in it. Mm -hmm. Instead Mm -hmm. of there being this discussion around how do you feel about this or that it's okay if this was considered something you didn't want, like Mm -hmm. that there's, we don't communicate. We don't talk about that. Um, and just that struggle, that, that, that struggle. Um, and that many, and that for some of us, many of our, our mothers, um, have dealt with those same feelings and those same Mm -hmm. issues and don't then know how to support us when it happens to us. Mm -hmm. Um, Right. When you think about your relationship with your mom now, you've gone through all these things. Um, is she supportive more now? Do you find that? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time she was going through a lot of stuff then, um, we were kind of struggling financially. So, I mean, she was doing the best she could, but I, I think that she was dealing with her own demons. So it's kind of hard to kind of, you know, give me the encouragement I need if she's not where she needs to be a hundred percent. So now she's a little bit better. She helps with my daughter so much and I wouldn't be a graduate had it not been for her and my brothers really stepping up and really a doula. Cause I mean, they, they saw what I went through and they kind of understand now that this is important for other people to kind of have this so they won't go through the same things that we went through as a family, not just me as a person. Um, and so they step up anything I need now, they got me. And that is so, so true. What, um, what birth can do for our families Mm -hmm. when we, um, are able to sit in, um, how it makes us be reflective of ourselves, our, our, our mental states and our, our actions and our relationships with each other. I really do feel that sometimes birth can cause that, that shift for some of us, um, Mm -hmm. for breaking cycles for sure. Um, and I think it was one, it was our guest. I think it's, I think it's, um, Brandy, Brandy Wells, um, who said that part of her healing, um, is that, she learned that the way the way her mom raised her was out of survival mode and mm-hmm. that that has allowed her to heal her relationship with her mother but then also create the healing that she needed to then mother her own children mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. 
and I, and I, and I, I just bring that up because I, I think about all the layers of your story. Um, and even to the point of like, you know, your postpartum and then just like in that moment coming out of like that experience with your daughter and just being like, I need to, I need to get it together for mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. Um, and just how, you know, it, how easy it can be to get to that dark space. Um, and that I think, you know, for a lot of us trying to figure out the new us after having kids. Mm-hmm. That's a big deal. You, yes. You lose, you are a completely different person physically, emotionally, <laughs> mentally. And it is a hard reality to feel like, cause you, lo- you, you are losing a piece of yourself. Mm-hmm. 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 Your old life, That's your old ways. <laughs> Um, and I mean, even as, uh, um, you know, now with a four-year-old and a two-year, uh, almost two-year-old, there are still days where I'm like, you know, right now, if I didn't have kids, I would be able to <laughs> live in my best life, <laughs> do X, Y, and Z. I love my kids, but there are still, uh, there are parts of myself that I did lose that I do sometimes really reflect on consistently. And that's okay. It's not mm-hmm. a bad thing either because it, you lost a piece of yourself for sure. Right. And that's something that I've talked to. Like I have younger brothers, they're 22. And I've always told them like, if you're sexually active, fine. I said, but you need to protect yourself and have an understanding because if she gets pregnant, her life changes. Yep. Immediately. Immediately. Completely. I said, you think about her hopes and dreams, the things that you know who she is and what she wants to be, and be responsible. <laughs> yes, 100%. It is different. It is a different experience for women. You think about, um, too, I'm just thinking about that doctor. Did you hear from anyone else when you were kind of sharing your story that it had any experience with that doctor? Um, well, I would say just in the delivery process, I mean, that was like the bad process, but I guess in the, during the appointments we clicked, but he's no longer, he's lost his license, um, since for not things related towards that, but it's like a lot of stuff, a lot of allegations out there, um, from different people. But you also have people who say like he was the best doctor ever. And it wasn't more so with him besides like breaking my water. It was his birthing team that were just horrible even the days after after i had her it was just like you know they have the baby room in now but even if they offered to take her in the nursery like i was i was scared of them like i was just like i don't want my baby to go with y'all like you're steady trying to give me medicine um and i'm telling y'all that i'm fine i don't want my child to go like i don't feel safe with y'all at all like they didn't make me feel welcome so it wasn't more so him it was just like his birthing team but also he was the leader of his birthing team so their reflection of him um, in the way they handle things, but he doesn't practice anymore. Now that's interesting. Yes, very. And you and you make a good point with because for for many um, births you don't see the doctor that much. They're in and out, mm-hmm. and so your real and your constant interactions are the nurses, the people in triage, who are checking in and out with you. But you know the culture of your experience begins at the top level. Mm-hmm. And that can be the doctor. That could be the midwife. That could, that also is also the system itself of the, uh, you know, the establishment that you're having the baby, but it begins, you know, with those people. And so 
you know, their interactions are based off of what they've seen from their superiors. Mm -hmm. um, what's normal for that, that environment. Um, so, and so I want to um, also, you know, you talked about with your family shift that you then mm -hmm. went into your doula work. Um, mm -hmm. Can you talk about when that started for you? Um, I think it started for me a lot during the postpartum time because like I, I had a lot of times on my hands I wasn't working and I mean I did pretty much all of my school work like ahead of time so I had a lot of time to like research and this girl on Twitter was talking about a doula and so I ended up looking it up I saw you know the benefits of having a doula and what having a doula could have meant for my birth and I was just like I want to give somebody else this you know I don't want to project my feelings on how birth is supposed to look but I also know that by having a doula, you're pretty much at an advantage that people who don't have a doula would have. And so um, it's been two years. Like I wanted to be a doula for two years and it's just now happening now. But I feel like back then that girl wouldn't have been able to give a mom what she needed because I had a lot of stuff that I had to process, not just as a mother, but as a woman, like I wasn't there yet. And I think that it took some realization for me to know that I wasn't there and just sitting back and just taking time to reflect on myself to get to where I am now to offer that. I wouldn't have been any good to anybody because I wasn't any good to myself um, during that time when I was going through my postpartum period. Um, and now I feel like I'm a better asset to women. Do you have a particular um, population that you serve in your doula work? Um, I would love to work with young mothers my age because that's who I'm interacting with constantly on social media. Um, and so particularly women of color, because I feel like it's a lot that we don't know um, as young adults. And it's a lot of stuff that we're just trying to figure out because I think in our early 20s, I'm only 23. We're not when we do get pregnant, we still have all this other stuff like we're in the 20s is for figuring yourself out. So I want to work with those mothers um, because I feel like they're also vulnerable as well so when did you add photography the birth photography in to your birth work uh recently very recently i that was also something that i wanted to do um immediately after i saw doula i saw birth photographers and i kept just like you know trying to manifest it and just kept saying you know i want to be a birth photographer i want to be a birth photographer and around November of last year, one of my good friends, she went into, um, she had a home birth and she was just like, I want to find somebody who has some type of video experience to come and kind of do it. And I came for her birth. I mean, it rocked my world on how beautiful it was. And I look at the pictures and I look at the videos that I did. And I was just like, I really want to make this a thing. And showcasing birth and talking about birth is not the thing in Mississippi. Like we don't have birth photographers here. There's something new. And so I was just like, you know, I'll be there. Change Mississippi. Okay. Yeah. Do We've that. Got a, lot, a lot to do here in Mississippi. <laughs> Turn them on the head. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so we were, you know, we were talking about this before we started recording, but I want to jump mm -hmm. back into it. Mm -hmm. You are in Mississippi and we are currently in our COVID-19 pandemic. Can you talk a little bit about what, doula birth photography life is looking like right now in your area mm -hmm. with that so for me i can't speak for everybody um i work with four other doulas in this project that i'm doing and like i said right now we're kind of focusing on education because there is a lot of education like you have moms here who just don't even know the basic things about female anatomy let alone anything about birth and pregnancy um 
and they need that education. I think if women in Mississippi had that education before birth, our, our outcomes would be totally different. And the mothers that I've kind of lost during this uh, period, they're like military moms, the first time moms. And I don't want to make them make the decision. Either it's, you know, me or the supportive person. And I don't want to put anybody in that position. And I think a lot of my doula sisters are kind of going through that too. And also with Mississippi not really having strict laws as far as, you know, a lot of places have shut down and they're only operating from the essential people. Well, Mississippi is kind of leaving it up to the different counties, mayors to make that decision. So some people are just like, we're completely open. And some people are like, we're not. So it's not any strict rules. And therefore, the hospitals don't even really have strict rules. One day, they're just like two supportive people can come in. And then one day, they're just like one person. Or you're having to go in there and to argue why you're there in the first place when it's stuff there that's there stating that doulas are not visitors. Like, we're just, you're supportive people and you don't want to be in there and people don't want you to be there. Or you don't want to be there and then it ruins your reputation for everybody because it's not like doulas are a common thing here in Mississippi. It's very new. A lot of people are accustomed to the way that things are already always ran. And also, you know, with our cesarean rates being so high and things like that, they're just like, we don't really want to change that for other political reasons. Um, so it's just a lot that's going into it. But we're really just trying to give people those education things and prenatal um, sessions virtually. Some people are more comfortable with us coming to their homes and things like that. Thank you for sharing that. Just the climate. Of your state. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Um, it's something new every day. Yes. Here. And I, yes. Um, I think we're all, everyone is affected by this. Um, and it's, it's an everyday, like what new is happening? What new thing is put in place? Um, and how do we all navigate our lives um, around that, um, and especially for people who are bringing in new life during this time, mm-hmm. um, and trying to—I know you know—we we we um, str- we stress that we don't want people stressed, but this is mm-hmm. such a high time of stress, and just how to help people maintain um, even a small piece of peacefulness mm-hmm. through all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and my only concern is that a lot of mothers here, like, it's, we also don't have strict rules with midwifery. And so we're just fearful that a lot of moms are going to be like, we don't want to be in the hospitals. I mean, we don't have the hospital space for here anyway, because we are a smaller place. And a lot of mothers are just like, we're going to do this unassisted. And so that's one of our, like, biggest fears that a lot of mothers don't turn to that because, I mean, doulas are projecting this thought that you know don't go to the hospital have your babies at home but everybody doesn't have money to have a baby at home and we don't even have the the midwives to do it at home and so that's also one of our biggest fears as well we're trying to meet them before they even make that ultimate decision right and without the education and the preparation that goes with that if that is their choice like that's just a a, a an emotional decision you know based off of the inconsistencies and not no and just fear you know yeah oh yeah it is um it is a very intense time um and just how to work through it all so it will be it will be interesting to hear the stories of people's and see the stories of people's experience through this time um it will definitely yeah um will be interesting so i just want to say thank you 
Oh, for sharing all that. Watching y'all for forever, so thank y'all. Oh, yes, I meant to say that at the beginning, too. You are a listener, and that just brings joy. Um, it's so great to have storytellers on here that are also listeners and a part of the community, so super geeked about that. When, when we saw that on your <laughs> submission form, I was like, yes! <laughs> <sighs> our listeners because it's it's one thing to commu- to create the community and then like actually talking to people that are listening and wanting to share their story it is it's just like it's affirming like yes we needed this space and people are coming to it are there things that you would want to share with our listeners that would be any resources or advice um just in general that you want to make sure women are hearing and wanting to get some information that they would want to know. Um, I don't really have any like thing that I would want to say, but I want to say right now in this climate with the craziness that's going on, um, self-education is very important and evidence birth is very important to go by because people are really scared and they are trying to do these different things at home. And you have these people who are trying to do these different remedies that are not safe at all. And just evidence birth really has a list of endless resources that are available to anybody who gets on. So that's, that's a really good resource and really just not being afraid to share your story because I think for me, I thought for a long time that I was the only person going through this until I really just started getting out of my comfort zone and talking to other mothers and really just being honest. Like I try as much as possible to be honest with my followers that I do have about motherhood. And I see that makes me feel better. That makes other people feel better. And that really just creates a space to talk about those things that are are uncomfortable in cultures such as Mississippi that we're just really, really like religion focused and things like that. But you have people who are suffering in silence because they don't want to bring forward their experiences. And therefore you you see these mothers just really falling through the cracks. Um, It's not okay for people in my immediate family who have just like done horrible things because they didn't get the help that they needed all because they were afraid to really be transparent about their stories because people wouldn't allow them to be like, don't, allow your truth to be silenced because it makes other people feel uncomfortable. That's exactly right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. No, thank (laughs) y'all. We appreciate it so much. Thanks for listening to birth stories in color to hear this show and other episodes head to birthstoriesincolor.com. 